Welcome to Gateway's Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. All right, well, good morning. Uh, My name is Jeff Pruitt. I'm the uh, children and young families pastor here, and I want to be sharing with you guys this morning. But as we get started, I'm going to play a quick little game with everyone, all right? And you need to partner up with someone beside you. And here's the game. It's very simple. Before I tell you what the game is, just remember that uh, we have... Me and my wife, we have six kids in our house, four bi- four, three biological kids, one that we've adopted, and two foster children in our house. So here's the game. Are you ready? It's very simple. The game is, what do I currently have in my pocket right here? Look to your person, your partner, and guess what I have in my partner. So it has to do with the kids. It has to do with them coming to church and bringing something that they shouldn't have brought to church. All right. Talk to your seat. We're going to see if anybody gets this right. Talk to your person beside you. Take a guess. Everybody got a guess? Or if you don't have somebody beside you, just think in your mind. All right, here we go. Are you all ready? Can everybody see that? Can you zoom in? It's a big, old, huge tooth. Did anyone get a tooth? Anyone? Anyone guess tooth? Did you really? We got one person that guessed tooth. You're the winner here. You get the tooth. No, I'm joking. You don't get the tooth. No. So, yeah. So, I walked over between services and, oh, you knew. You were in there. Ah, that that doesn't count. Um, um, I walked over there between services and one of the the children's workers said, "Uh, Dylan has a tooth in his pocket right now. And I was like, Dylan's four years old. He hasn't lost any teeth. What? And she's like, he's like, she's like, yeah, he said it was Jennings' tooth. And sure enough, so Jennings had a tooth pulled a few weeks ago because he had a filling and it got infected. So you can see it's huge if you can see that. It's one of the back teeth. And Jennings keeps his teeth in a, well, it's supposed to be in a hidden secret area, but I guess it's not too secret. And Dylan decided he was going to bring a tooth to church today. He likes to put things in his pocket. Today was a tooth day, I guess. So there you go. So there's Dylan's. He brought a tooth. To, you know, it's always something. Um, so speaking kind of of that and in the, the vein of fostering and all that, uh, next week is a very um, important week for my family and for many across the, the nation and churches. It's, it's what we call Orphan Sunday. Um, and it's a, a week, a Sunday that's set aside by churches across America to uh, just talk a little bit about, to raise awareness, to recognize the need for, um, to care for the orphans and our church to take steps and the church in America to take steps in caring for orphans. And so we're going to have a special guest next week, Jay Boyd, who's the vice president of a Connie Maxwell Children's Home, which is the South Carolina Baptist Children's Home uh, that's up in Greenwood. He's going to be coming. He's going to be sharing with us. And then his whole team is going to be here next week. And we're going to have a luncheon after church for anyone that wants to know more information about fostering, about adopting, or even about just ministering to people who are fostering and adopting in the church. Um, And so they're having this, Connie Maxwell is having this big emphasis on the idea, and you can read it up here, that everyone can do something when it comes to fostering and adoption and caring for orphans. I mean, James, it's very clear that, you know, religion that our our Father in Heaven accepts is one that cares for orphans and for widows. And so Connie Maxwell, that orphan piece is is their heart's desire. And they want every church to uh, 
have that same desire to care for, for orphans. Um, so if you're interested, if you're a family, if you're, um, it doesn't matter your age, if you want to minister in some way to, to orphan children through helping, through, through fostering, through adoption, or just supporting families who do, I would love for you to come next week um, to that luncheon. You can sign up online on our events page, um, or if you decide next week, hey, I wanna go, you can just show up and come. They'll have some tables set up at the church as well to talk a little bit more about what next steps could be. Um, so that's just a quick little, little promo for that for next week. I'm excited about that. The past few years, we've done something every Orphan Sunday just to raise that awareness and to recognize it and pray for our church that God would use our church to help in that area. Today, though, we're going to kind of talk similarly, this idea that everyone can do something, but we're not going to talk about in the orphan fostering adoption area. We're just going to talk more in general. And what we want to accomplish today is recognizing what God has called each and every one of us to do and where God has called us to do that and how we can do that and challenging ourselves to do it better in the different realms that we find ourselves in. So one more story as we get, get going. I uh, also have a, a, my oldest daughter is 13, so she's in eighth grade. Um, and so the student ministry just announced all their, their big events and their dates for next year. Um, and the kids area, which I'm over, we announced ours in the past few weeks and stuff. Um, and so as, as that email came this week from the student ministry talking about summer camp Camps and everything that's going on. And my mind went back, because I knew I was talking about uh, what I'm talking about this morning, back to our summer camp at Kids Salt last summer. Kids Salt is our, our camp for third through fifth graders, and they go for four days to uh, Charleston Southern University. Uh, the South Carolina Baptist Convention puts this camp on, and they just have a times of worship and small group time. And then every night, we get to have like a church group devotion time. And so on one of the kind of last nights we were there, I remember that we were kind of moving toward the discussion towards this idea of, of God's will for our lives. And many of you, we've all heard the, the term, you know, God's will for our lives. Growing up for a long time, I had this notion that probably wasn't entirely accurate that, you know, God's will for my life was this exact, like all of these exact steps and decisions I had to make throughout my life. And if I missed on one of those decisions, then I wasn't gonna be able to do God's will for my life. I don't know if you've ever felt that way or that's kind of that thought, like I don't wanna miss what God has for me. And you think if I make this two good decisions, if I make the wrong good decision, then I'm gonna be go, go completely opposite of the way God wants me to go and I'm gonna miss out on everything God wants for me and I won't be able to do God's will in my life. There was a lot of books, a lot of messages, a lot of um, podcasts and all this stuff that came out, you know, probably 10 years ago. God's will, how to find God's will, how to find God's will. And it was almost like this 10-step process where at the end of the 10 steps, you can be sure that everything you do is going to be exactly in God's will. And as good as it sounds, it, life doesn't really work out exactly that way. The reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, is, is there's times where we have to make a choice between two good things, 
And either choice will be good, and either choice we can honor God with, and either choice will take us in two different directions. And so what I was talking to these, these kids about at KidSalt was the idea that, that God does have a will for your life, but it's not gonna be this thing where, you know, God wants you to turn left here on the way, road, and you decide to turn right so you can stop by McDonald's, you're gonna miss God's will because you turned right instead of left. It's not, it's not as detailed as that because the reality is God has a purpose for your life, and wherever you find yourself, whatever you decision, every decision you make, God's purpose is still gonna be active for your life no matter where you go. There are instances where you can dishonor God with your decisions and you can choose something that you know God is leading you away from and you can do the wrong thing and you can go errantly, but the reality is God can use you in every single decision that you make and can use that to follow his plan and to live out your purpose that he has for you. It kind of goes, when I was in uh, a a, high, a senior in high school. I was planning to go to Furman University. The last minute, my friend talked me into going to the University of South Carolina and rooming with him. I know it was the wrong decision, and I still did it, and God still used me at the University of South Carolina. And I grew spiritually at the University of South Carolina in making probably a decision that wasn't the best decision, but God was still able to use me. I was still within God's will. So at Kitsalt, uh, we had them all in a room and we were talking about like your career. What do you wanna do with your life? Who do you wanna be when you grow up? That question that you always ask the kids. And I was trying to drive them towards the idea that whatever you do in your life, God's purpose for your life doesn't change. And the idea that all 30 of you kids may be doing different things with your life, but all 30 of you have the exact same purpose in life. And so we were, we were um, talking with them and kind of going through and asking them what they wanted to do. Some wanted to be teachers, uh, some wanted to be doctors, some wanted to, there's one I think that wanted to be a lawyer. There was about 20 boys that all wanted to be NBA players or Major League Baseball players. I want to say, hey, the percentages are against you here, but I didn't say that. But reality is they all thought they would be. We had one, one kid that was the shortest kid with our group that swore he was going to be the next LeBron James. Probably not going to happen, but I'm not going to, you know, crush his dreams. But we went around and we were talking about everything. And so we were kind of talking about, okay, in your profession that you want to be, in your career, in the thing you want to do with your life, if God used you to the max ability in that, what would it look like? And so they started off naming different things and we we're starting to get them to drive towards the idea of sharing the gospel and sharing God's love in this career or in this aspect of my life would be the, the prime way to live out this career and my purpose. And so we got to the point where almost all of them were saying that no matter what their career choice might be, no matter who they are going to be when they grow up, they started to realize, oh, our purposes, yeah, they're, they're the same. They, they kind of they go together. And I'll never forget it. We were going around the room. We're almost to the end. We we're like, they got it. And then a fifth grade boy was sitting over here, mature Christian for his age. He was, he, he, I mean, and so I was like, this is going to be, this is the last one. This is going to be easy, no problem. He wanted to be a major league baseball player. So I said to him, I said, hey, so how about you? 
Let's finish it up strong. How are you going to live out the best Major League Baseball player as a Christian? He said, I'm gonna hit lots of bombs. <laughs> as serious as could be, I was like, we went through all this and it's the last person we were almost there. So really, he's like, yeah, hitting a lot of home runs. That's gonna be, that's gonna be what I do. And so we didn't start over. Luckily, I said, come on now. There's a better answer, and I think he finally figured it out. But it was, it was funny, but it drives the point home that I wanna talk about this morning. And it's the idea that our purpose, individually, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, is singular. We all have the same purpose. The application of that purpose is multiple, right? We all have different lives. We all, to some extent, do something different. If we were to go around this entire room and survey everyone's life and put them all, no one would match up with each other. We all are doing different things. We have different lives, different careers, different family situations. Every one of us look very, very unique. But the reality is that when we talk about God's purpose for our life, everyone's is the same. And the reality, if you look at scripture over the whole arching like teaching of scripture, it's the idea that, that our purpose is to share the gospel as we grow and as we go. That, that is our purpose. If I could go around this room and say, what do you do for a living? Tell me about your life. Tell me about your family. Tell me about everything that's going on in your life. I would say the same thing that that person's purpose is I went over here and said to someone else, what do you do for a living? What is your family like? What, your purpose is the same. Your purpose is the same. Our purposes are all the same. God wants us to share the gospel as we grow more like Jesus, as we grow in our faith, and as we go throughout our day. No matter what that looks like differently in each and every one of our lives. And what that means is this idea that everyone can do something because everyone can, can, can fulfill that purpose of God no matter where they find themselves. No matter what point they are in life, whether they're an elementary school kid, a middle schooler, a college student, a young adult, in the workforce, retired. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. It doesn't matter how far along you are, even in your faith at the moment. Everyone can, can fulfill the purpose of God every moment of their life in their lives. Because the purpose is the same, to share the gospel as you grow and as you go. And so, everyone can do that in every moment. And I love scripture because it shows that over and over again, that that is what was going on in the New Testament. Many of y'all have read the New Testament and you understand that Jesus came and he died for our sins. He rose again. The disciples hung out for a while. The Holy Spirit came, boom, they started preaching. They started sharing the gospel and the church started to grow and it started to expand out. It started in Jerusalem with the Jewish people. And then it started to expand out to other countries, to other nations, to other ethnicities. And it wasn't just the Jewish faith anymore that recognized Jesus as the Messiah who was coming. The Gentiles, the non-Jews started to believe as well. And the church just started to grow and grow and grow. And so for God to, to accomplish that, what he did was he called different people to different areas. 
Different people had different areas that they were reaching out to. And the prom, two prom examples are these two guys named Paul and Peter. You probably have heard of Paul and Peter. So here we go. Check this out. This is what happens in Acts 9.15. Paul is being called out to be a missionary. And he says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to, pro- to proclaim my name first to the Gentiles and their kings and then to the people of Israel. So he, he, God like makes this like separation of the Gentiles and the Jewish people. And what he does is he calls Paul to the Gentiles and he calls Peter to the Jews. Galatians 2.8, Paul recognizes that and he says, for God who is at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, to the Jewish people, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so God calls these two just bedrocks of the faith in the first century, Peter and Paul, and he says to them, you're going to go out into different areas. You're going to reach different people. You're going to have different applications of what I'm calling you to do, but your purpose is still the same no matter where you go. Paul, you are to share the gospel as you go, but it's going to be to the Gentiles. Peter, you are to share the gospel as you go, but it's going to be to the Jews. And I think if God were were talking to us and speaking to us this morning, he would say the same thing to each and every one of us. Jeff, you're called to share the gospel as you go, but it's going to be to this group of people that I've placed in your life. You know, over here, you're called to this group of people. It's going to change for each and every one of us. And the reality is that God has placed you and me, placed you where you are with who you are with and doing what you are doing to grow his kingdom and to share the gospel. Where you are right now, November 6th, 2022, in this moment, where you go tomorrow, whatever that looks like, and the next day, and the next day, God has placed you in your specific situation right now to grow closer to him and to go out and show God's love and share the gospel. I know there was a time, like when I was in college, I I wrestled with this because I was knew God was calling me to become a pastor. Um, and for the longest time, this happens in college a lot, we get really lazy. Did anybody else get really lazy in college? I got really lazy in college, and I could give you every single possible excuse to sleep in on a Sunday morning. And I could give you every single possible excuse why not to go out and do good to others. I could give you every excuse why I didn't, I couldn't do God's work yet because I haven't you know, finished my studies yet. I couldn't really be a pastor or a minister to people yet because I hadn't gone to seminary yet. And we like to do that. We like to give excuses why we can't do what God is calling us to do because we haven't got to the point where we can do it. I was like that. But the reality is God has given every one of us everything we need right now in this moment, in this moment to live out his purpose for our life. And so just like Peter and Paul had these, these spheres of influence in their lives, Paul to, the, to the, um, the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews, God has given every single one of us spheres of influence in our lives. They all look different. They all are shaped a little bit differently. They all reach into different areas of the community, 
of the church of our homes and as we as a body of believers, as a family of God, as Gateway Baptist Church, as we go out and we are faithful in sharing the gospel and showing God's love in all of these different spheres as they begin to, to interconnect and they reach out throughout the community, God is glorified throughout Columbia, throughout Irmo, throughout Chapin, throughout the area and his kingdom grows because of the effect of us just doing our part in our areas that God has given us. So I wanna talk about these three spheres. There's, I, I think there's three main spheres that every single one of us find ourselves in, to some degree. It's very simple, God has given each one of us a home, right? He's given us a family, and he's called us to live out that purpose of sharing the gospel and showing his love to our family. God has given us a, a church, here at Gateway Baptist Church, if you attend Gateway, if you're just here visiting and you go to another church, wherever your church home is, you have a sphere of influence in your church that God has given you to share the gospel and to show his love. And he's also given us a community, a community to go and to reach out to and to share his love and to show his goodness to people. And every single one of us I mean, that's three spheres every one of our lives come into contact with pretty much daily that God is calling us to do his purpose and his will. Share the gospel, show his love, go and grow. So I always, there's, there's, I, there's, I've always wondered, now, as, as I realized this and as I grew in my faith, when people say, I just don't know God's will for my life, I'm like, I think that's, I think that, I think you're, I think you're missing out. You know God's will for your life. You don't know exactly the steps you're gonna take in your future, but you know God's will for your life. Your God's will for your life is to grow closer to Jesus and to go and share the gospel and to show God's love. That's God's will for your life. That's God's will for my life. That's God's will for every single person's life. And the choices that you make in the future as you choose your career, as you take a left or a right, as, as your life continues on, that, that purpose and that will will remain for the rest of your life, no matter where you find yourself. So these three spheres. First one, let's talk about. Let's talk about in the home. And that can be, if you have, if you have an empty nest now, you don't have kids, it can be in your family. It can be to your, towards your spouse, in your family and the people that you come in contact with in your family. I wanna read a passage of scripture to you. This is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. This is early in Israel's life. God established the, the Ten Commandments. He gave these rules and these regulations and kind of Moses was the intermediary to bring these to the Israelite people. And God said, now these these are not just suggestions, and these aren't just things I want you maybe once a week to gather together like church and read about and hear about. No, these are much more important than that, and this is what God says. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, 
There's a lot of specific instructions to the Israelites at that point that don't necessarily bind us now, that we're not necessarily supposed to be writing the Ten Commandments on our door frames or, you know, putting anything on our foreheads or anything. But, but what God is saying, the application, the overarching eternal application that doesn't change is that our families should be places where there is consistent and continual gospel moments that we're sharing with our family. And that as parents or as or sons and daughters to, to, other, to, our, to parents that are older than us or as siblings, brothers and sisters, that when we gather as a family, if we're followers of Jesus, that we should be intentional on being consistent and continually showing God's love to our family and showing God's love and sharing the gospel to the people that are in our home or in our extended family. And there's, there's this reality I remember, um, for me it hits mostly as a parent and having you know, six children in our house. So from my aspect, it's, it's the challenge of every day finding moments in my family life with my kids where I can show God's love. Or I can say a word here or there that will help them see how to live out God's gospel in the life <laughs> better in their lives. Um, and it's, let's be honest, if you're a parent and you have kids in your house, I mean, the moments come, right? Like they're, they're gonna tell you about their day. There's gonna be moments, there's gonna be times, there's gonna be things almost every day that you're like, yeah, there's probably a better way to go about doing that. Yeah, there's probably a better way to go about doing that. And if our minds are set on showing God's love and sharing the gospel, we'll use those moments and those opportunities to guide our kids in the right direction. I used to watch, I'm sure many of you used to watch, I don't know, what is it now? Is it like 30 kids and counting now? What, what is it now? 19 kids and counting, whatever, the Duggars or, or wherever, I don't know what it ended up at. But I remember um, watching that one time. I don't think, I don't know how long ago, I think it was before I had kids or, or um, maybe before I was married, but I remember watching and they would always have this shot of Jim Bob, the dad, sitting at the head of the table and he would have 19 kids almost like circled, centered or seated all the way around this huge table and he would open up his Bible and he would start reading from like Leviticus or something to his kids and every single one of them that would be sitting there and like listening to him. And he would keep reading for, and they make it seem like, oh, he's been doing this for an hour. And all the kids are sitting there just listening, gathered around the table. And I just remember when I was younger, I was like, oh, so that's what it looks like to, to lead my kids, you know, towards Christ and, and be faithful to what God has done as a parent. Um, then I had kids, right? And then you realize... They don't listen for two minutes. How in the world will I be able to do that, right? That was, I'm beginning to think that was set up mostly for TV because we get together, we sit at the table ready to eat dinner and within two or three minutes, we have kids jumping all over the place, having to go to the bathroom. Somebody's doing something to someone else. Tell someone to stop copying me. Tell someone to stop, no, I want the first donut. No, I want the first pizza. No, I want this, I want that. And I'm like, how in the world? How, how did Jim Bob do that? And I realized that, that that's not really what it looks like for most families. You know, for us, it looks like right before bed, when everyone's worn out and they're tired, we gather them then and we do a little bit of a devotional. 
and we say a prayer. You know, for us, it looks more like just when we see relational issues between our kids, sitting them down and trying to explain to them a gospel modeled way to handle the situations. It, it also looks in our lives, ideally, when we are doing it right, is the way that my wife and I, the way that we handle the situations that come up in our life, doing that well and doing that in a way that is faithful to God. Because your kids are watching. They will catch more than you ever teach them. Every time you're on the phone with a friend, they are listening. Every time you have a conversation with your spouse or another one of your kids or with your mom or with your dad or with a brother or a sister, they are listening. When you're driving down the road and they're in the back of the car and somebody cuts you off right in front of you, they're watching and they're listening. When you go to the store, they're watching. The way you respond to other people, the, what you are modeling day in and day out, they are watching and they are listening. And so this first sphere, the sphere of being in the home is so incredibly important. And it happens day in and day out as we model God's love to our kids, to our siblings, to our parents, to the people that come into contact with as they're watching us. Let's go to the next sphere. The next sphere that I'm gonna talk about is, is in the church, in the church. First Peter 4, eight through 11. So this is Paul. Paul is talking to Peter and he's, he's given him some instructions, some encouragement. And what Peter is doing is he's telling Paul, uh, Peter, Paul is telling Peter, there we go. Paul is telling Peter the best way for his church to operate. The best way, the things, let me give you some advice on church life. And this is what he says. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And here's the key. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So Paul is saying, tell your people in the church to serve each other in the church. I mean, let's boil it down even simpler. Tell your people to serve. You know, I've been, you guys have all been in church probably for a while if you haven't. Um, I've noticed that the healthiest, strongest, thriving churches are churches where its people are serving selflessly, consistently. It's key and it's huge. And you may say, you may think there's a lie out there that the church has enough volunteers. Uh, you, you come in and you might see there's folks greeting out here, there's security out there, we got the coffee team over here, we got a wonderful worship team, we have, you know, kids are over there, we're checking you in, we're smiling, they go in, there's adults there to bring them in, the students have small group leaders, and you may have this idea that, that man, the church, there's plenty of folks here to serve, I don't need to serve, and the reality is we spend a lot of time and hard work making it seem like we have enough people when we really don't sometimes. That's the reality. We need volunteers across the board. We need people to serve selflessly just like Paul was instructing and encouraging Peter. Get your people to serve. The truth is that while we don't always have enough people, even if we did have enough people, and there are times we do have enough people, but even when we don't or do have enough people, the serving isn't for us, and the serving isn't always necessarily for others. The serving is for you yourself. 
It's a piece of the purpose. It's the piece of God saying, hey, I want you to, to, to share my gospel with others while you grow and while you go. And growing more like Christ, the number one aspect of Christ's life is that he was a servant. That day in and day out, he selflessly met the needs of others. He served his disciples for three straight years. Then he served the people of the world by dying on the cross and, um, and then raising again. Like his life was marked by service. And so if you want to be more like Christ, which is what God calls us to do, there's no way around it. You have to serve. You have to selflessly give up some time you have to selflessly give up some energy. You have to serve someone somewhere. That's a part of your purpose in life. If you're not doing that, you're missing out on a piece of your purpose. Last one, in the community. In the community, this is the final one. So in the community, I think through scripture, and I look at Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you recall, um, he says, let your good works shine, right? So that they see your good works, so that people see your good works, and that they will praise the Father in heaven. And I read here, this is Galatians 6.10. This is, again, this is Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So especially good, do good to each other in the church, but he's not limiting just to the people in the church. Do good to all people. And Romans 12, 7, 17 again, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So when you look at scripture's um, commands or expectations for the way that we react and um, behave in and the way that we interact with our community, there's something that comes up over and over again, whether it be Paul, whether it be Jesus, it's this idea of, hey, just do good, you know? Just, just be nice, just live at peace with other people. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I used to think and that, that, you know, that if I wasn't, Every person I come in contact with, sharing, like sharing the, the Romans road or the gospel to a T, every time I came in contact with someone in the community that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose in life, some people have that gift. I had a, a, a person that I worked with at my previous church that, oh my goodness, every person he ever came into contact with, he could segue somehow into sharing the gospel with them. And my mind was blown. And I, for a while, I was like, am I, I'm... Am I not being faithful? Am I not living out my purpose? Am I missing out on something? And then I realized that, that he had a spiritual gift of evangelism. Like this was a spiritual gift that God had given him that I had not seen that done that well in anyone else in my life. That made me feel a little bit better. But God still calls us to our community. It calls us to do good, to do the right thing, to act with integrity, to be honorable to all people. And then for some of us who, who are a little bit shaky with sharing the gospel, you're a little bit nervous, there's a, the, easiest, the easiest thing to do is just invite. Just invite people. Like, do good first to them and then invite them to church. 
Pastor Don will take care of preaching the gospel to them, you know? Like, invite and then let them hear the gospel and be there for them and sit alongside them and walk them through the different areas of the church. Like, be a good person to the community. Do what is right. Do what is honorable. Live at peace with all people. And then when you do invite, they're going to want to be a part of that and they're going to be open to hearing from you. And so in the community, um, you know, people who see you doing good and being honorable will want to know why. They'll want to know more. They'll be open to hearing what you have to offer. And so that's the bottom line there. So as we close out this morning, um, I want to just uh, challenge us on, on those three areas. In your home, in your community, and in the church. And I wanna challenge each of you and challenge myself as well to ask the question, how well am I living out God's purpose in my home? How well am I using every moment to share the gospel and to show God's love? How well am I able to do that in the different parts of like when we're going to bed at night, do I take a moment? When we're rising in the morning, do I take a moment? Throughout the day, when I have conversations with my kids, when I'm in the car, when I'm on the phone with a friend, when I'm talking to my husband or my wife, when I'm dealing with a disagreement or the way I handle conflict in those areas in my home life, as my family is watching, how well am I living out God's purpose of sharing the gospel as I grow and as I go? The second one in the church, very simple question, am I, am I serving anyone? Or am I just coming to sit and consume something and then leaving? Am I living out the way Jesus lived the life of being a servant by being coming here and not just consuming, not just taking, but also giving? And then in the community, the simple question is, am I doing the right thing in the sight of other people? And after I do the right thing, am I taking that simple next step to just let them know, hey, we have a place for you at Gateway. Hey, you wanna to come to church with me on Sunday? A very simple, very easy invite. I think this is the last verse I wanna share, and I think this, for me, as I was uh, kind of preparing this, this was the challenge, because this is the reason for me why I don't do those things well. Um, and it comes from Colossians 3, uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, and this is what it says. This is Paul talking to the church um, and the folks, at, uh, the Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So since you're a believer, since you are a follower of Christ, since you have been given this greater purpose of sharing the gospel, of showing God's love, since that has been given to you, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So Paul is saying here in this first verse that once you become a believer, once you become a follower of Jesus, what you set your mind and your heart on has to be different than the rest of the world. It has to change. Because we no longer live for the things of the world, we now live for the kingdom of God. And he says in verse two, set your mind on things above not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Paul would say, it's not that we don't know what to do. I pretty much know what to do in the home. 
It's not gonna be, you know, Jim Bob sitting around the table. That's not gonna work for us. Maybe one day, maybe not. But I know, I know what to do. I know at night we need to gather around for devotion and prayer time. I know during the day I need to model gospel-like grace behavior to my kids and to other people. I know I need to take the moments that when they have conflict with each other to show God's love in that and share how God's love can affect that. I know what to do. But what Paul is saying in Colossians is, if your mind is not set on doing those things, you're not gonna do them. But if your mind is set heavenly, trying to fulfill that purpose, you will do them. And I know what to do in my community. I know to do good to my neighbors. I know to do the right thing. I know to act honorably. I know that, that I've had plenty of opportunities to simply throw a little invitation to church in there. But what Paul says is, but if your mind is not set on the things of God, if that's not intentionally on your mind, you're gonna ignore them and you're not gonna do them. And the same thing in the church. I know God's calling me to serve. I know that Jesus was a servant and I know that I need to serve just like Jesus did. But it's so much easier just to come, listen, and leave. But what God is saying, if you truly set your mind on things above, set your mind on the heavenly purpose for your life, you'll see why it is essential for you to not only come and worship, but also to come and serve. So in your home and in your church, and in your community, everyone, every single one of us can do something in every one of those fears. We can live out God's purpose for our life as we share God's, share the gospel and show God's love. Let's pray.